Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comics related to the... Today, on this episode of Transmissions, we welcome special guest Daniel, also known as Proto Man, to talk about Hot Rod. And in our Trips to the Store segment, we'll talk about how to draw Transformers, what got picked up at the comic book store, and some cool toy finds. All of this and much, much more on this episode of Transmissions. Hello everyone, this is Daryl, a.k.a. Cybertronian Beast, and you're listening to Transmissions, the Transformers podcast. This is episode number two. I'd like to introduce you to everyone joining me today. We've got Jeremy, a.k.a. Yako. Howdy. We've got Charles, a.k.a. Big C. How y'all doing? And last but not least, we have got Yoshi, and that is Yusuf. Yo! And joining us today, a very special guest... Say hello to Proto Man, aka Daniel. How you doing, people? That's right. We have got a very stacked crew in here today. How are things going, Proto Man? How you been? Oh, uh, good. Um, convention season is still rolling along. Actually, like uh, I'm just looking at my schedule right now. As we speak right now, there's an anime convention in my city. Two weeks from now is is the big Montreal Comic Con. Then in Toronto, there's going to be Action Figure Expo in a couple of weeks. I am constantly on the eastern board of Canada, hitting up conventions, usually buying and selling, and just hanging out. I love geekdom in general. So even though I don't look, I don't look like it, but I definitely am. One, I'm probably the biggest geek you'll ever know, even though I don't look like it. <laughs> you are a busy fellow, that's for sure. Oh yeah. I I bumped into you and we chatted a bit at TFCon and and you were just running. You were running from oh, God. point A well, to point B. Th- there's a great picture that someone took during the organizers panel where it's like the organizers are talking and then there's me on the end table of the organizers panel and I'm like sleeping. Like it's my <laughs> eye, it's my eyes closed and it, it was just like a perfect photo because I was just so burnt out that weekend because also my job that weekend was because Dick Goche was uh one of the guests. And for some reason, our head of staff felt, well, I'm pretty sure you'd like to take care of Dick. Normally, I'm never in charge of guests, ever. No. Like, uh, with the exception of Derek Wyatt, because he's a close friend that I've known for years. So it's kind of like, well, sure, why not? I already have his cell phone number. But they thought, well, wouldn't it be great to take care of Dick Goche? Like, you could be his liaison. Little did I know that this is a guy who's, you know, he's in a wheelchair, and he's not extremely mobile. So... It was it was a lot more uh, babysitting than usually than like a Scott McNeil they just got to call him up and make sure he has some cocaine in him you know <laughs> like like Scott McNeil just just be at this room okay and he'll like buzz over there where him it's it's you know you have to you have to plan out everything you got to make sure he, he goes to the bathroom first and you gotta you gotta take him in there you know because he's in a he's in a wheelchair so it, I was busy that weekend to say the least with my panels with running around. Uh, I, ha- I had to do autograph signings, too, with Dick Oche and stuff. Usually, TFCon years, I'm, I'm busy, but it's with other things. This was stacked on top of my normal stuff. Yeah. And not to mention, staff never sleeps. No, you know? and you had a We're- table, too. Oh, yeah, and I, well, the, thank, I want to give a shout-out to my buddy, Jaws D, one of my best friends in real life. He manned that table for me, like, half of that convention, just because I could not be present at it the entire time. Like, I was just so busy. Yeah, you are a busy guy. Yeah, Charles, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, hanging out, li- absorbing all the Transformers information I can. Yeah, there's going to be a lot today. Proto Man is just a uh, uh, full of it, and we're just we're just gonna we're gonna <laughs> full of it doesn't be- doesn't even begin to describe overflowing. It. <laughs> you are overflowing with knowledge. Yako, how are you doing, bud? I am exhausted. Yeah, I, I I have put in so many hours this week at work. 
I work at a university and school starts in like a week and a half and Oh, it's true. It's just the worst part of the year. Yeah? That's crazy. I read a tweet from you saying that you were just begging to get home and just relax. Yeah. Monday I was there till ten thirty. I'm gonna go in tomorrow, I'm gonna go in Sunday. It's just crazy. That is crazy. And we're putting you to more work with this podcast too. (laughs) No, this is relaxing. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. (laughs) Good. And Yusuf, Yoshi, how you doing, bud? What's going on in Alaska? Well, the weather's finally changed. It's starting to actually be Alaska weather again. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, with, with all that, with all the rain coming down and stuff, I was staring at my work computer, and I, I pulled up my iPad, and I saw the uh, preview for Regeneration 94, and I figured, you know, this is far enough ahead of where I'm at. I'm not going to remember it, but my God, I can't wait to get there and start reading those books. Yeah, it's, uh, it's way ahead of you. You said you're, what, at uh, issue 27 of the original Marvel run? I am on issue twenty five. I'm I'm, 25. I'm a little bit further if you count the fact I'm I'm including the GI Joe Transformer crossover. Right, right. Yeah, you got you got a ways to go, buddy. I do. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So today's episode, we're going to touch on a number of things. We've got third party toys. We've got some some new blind packs coming to the market. Everybody loves the blind packs now. We have. A review that I did of a G1 character. I don't necessarily do a lot of G1 character reviews, but because we got Proto Man on the show, I think it was fitting that I do a review of G1 Hot Rod. So uh, Proto Man's going to give us a bit of a, a bit of a, a history lesson when it comes to uh, Hot Rod and what his uh, influence was in the G1 comic and where his uh, humble beginnings came from. I really enjoyed that review, by the way. I watched that the other day. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I watched it too. It was it was a great because I I also had that figure as a kid and mine did not survive my childhood. So it was nice to see that one made it out. Yeah, no, it's uh it's nice to do a, a G one figure every now and then simply because they are really simple. There's not a lot to them, and you really don't have to get into too too much. So they're really quick and easy, and you know there's not a lot to say. You just kind of got to show it off, make sure you show the uh, the transformation and comment on any things that you really liked and things that kind of got in the way but yeah it's really nice to get into those until you flip the head over and just lost all control <laughs> yeah <laughs> so let's get into comics we have got our very special guest proto man and he is going to give us our history lesson today is going to be on hot rod i guess i'm just going to unleash the monster proto man go nuts man Oh, um, the funny thing is, is that I actually did a lot of research on this character myself, um, trying to find out his origins and everything. And I've talked to various sources in person. A lot of people always make the assumption that the character Hot Rod was kind of a homage to uh, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars. And everyone always makes the connections to the 86 movie, to the Star Wars movie. And, oh, Optimus Prime is, uh, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Star Wars, just like at the end of the movie, right before... Luke fires the two missiles, he hears Obi-Wan's voice, and it's the same thing. When he gets the Matrix, he hears Optimus's voice. There's so many connections to that. But when I brought that up with Flint Dilly, who was the, the final scriptwriter of the 86 movie, he told me stuff. And, and this interview that I'm talking about is, is actually recorded, and it's somewhere on the Internet. It's, it's from a, my podcast, but I don't even know where it is now. But I had an interview with him in, at BotCon 2011, and I asked him, like, what was, is that really where it came from? And he told me that he was, like, really hardcore into the Green Bay Packers uh, when they were <laughs> near the Super Bowl. I believe it was in 1990, excuse me, in 1985. And he based uh, Hot Rod Cup 
not Optimus Prime, Hot Rod Cup, Blur, and a whole bunch of guys off of the Green Bay Packers. And I was, he lost me at that point when he was wow. explaining it to me. But like, it, again, like he was throwing names at me going like, oh, this guy was totally, totally this dude and blah, blah, blah. And they were going through an emotional stress and he was like the mentor for him. And I was just like, whoa, buddy, you lost me. I would have stuck with the Star Wars, you know, reference because at least everyone can relate to that. But apparently that, that the character was a bit of a nod towards one of these football players who was just this headstrong character who wanted to be a captain of the team, but there was an older guy who was much more respected and everything. And in the end, they won the Super Bowl or won the Great War, but, you know, at the expense of that captain leaving and the new one taking over and then just changing, you know, for the better or for the worse for the Green Bay Packers, alternatively the Autobots. Very interesting when you learn about this, uh, you know, t- 20 years after the fact of a movie when we all assumed one thing. But also his design, uh, a lot of people don't realize. And Fleur O'Deary, who was responsible for uh, all the redesigns, I want to call it, of the Transformers, meaning Fleur O'Deary was a guy who was hired by uh, Marvel Studios, where his job was to take the Transformer 86 toys and simplify the designs for the cartoon. And, of course, a lot of times when he was doing that, things got mixed up. Hey, Fleuro Deary, here's this yellow cliff jumper that we're going to tell you is Bumblebee, and that's why Bumblebee's face is the way it is today. Hmm. Um, a lot of little mistakes here and there along the way that led to what we have today as those characters. Uh, Sideswipe having a rocket pack was actually another mistake, which it was supposed to be Sunstreaker. And if you actually look at the original tech specs, it's Sunstreaker that has the rocket pack. It was just a mistake, you know, by... Oh, wow. And biggest one of them all which is the most prevalent one is who was the actual traitor in decepticons it was supposed to be skywarp if you actually look at the color schemes of thundercracker and starscream they're actually parallels of each other if not mirrors and then you had skywarp that was the all black purple deceiving looking one and if you read his original 1984 tech spec he's the sneaky traitor of the team which again did not transfer over when they did the marvel cartoon done by Sunbow Entertainment and with Marvel Studios. But anyways, I'm getting off topic. The point is that Fleur O'Deary's <laughs> job, essentially, was to simplify these designs. That's why we have the iron hide the way it is and everything. So for the first two years, that was his job. He was doing that. And then he was offered to for the 86 movie and the 86 line of cartoon to create a whole bunch of new characters. But create the characters first, we'll worry about the toy engineering afterwards, which was something that didn't exist in Transformers before because the original Transformers were based off of 1970s and early 80s uh, Daikon and Microman molds with you know dabbles of here and there from Bandai and other companies uh, like Toybox. But in general, it was all just these pre-existing toys, so you couldn't screw up the designs. But now... Fleur was going to create these new designs based off of non-existent toys and pray that Hasbro could then make it happen. So Fleur what he was, he was, he was a, he's Filipino and he was working in the Philippines. And at the time, Nissan was testing their engine in this car that was a concept car that would never see final production called the Dome Zero. And hmm. this was, I want to say, 1984 to 1985, they were testing it in the Philippines, where they had these long runway tracks for the airports. And Fluorodiri was seeing this famous car that was being brought in from this country above them, Japan, was bringing this car in and testing it on on their fields and stuff and everything, because they wanted to, because the thing is, the Dome Zero itself wasn't a Japanese car in origin, just the engine that it was running on, um, which was Nissan. And so he was seeing this gorgeous, again, concept cars in the 80s, especially, were just these so angular 
DeLorean futuristic looking cars that just never, 90% of them never saw production, but they always looked so like, this is what the future would be like. And so he saw this Dome Zero and he's just like, that's what I want to base this Hot Rod character off of. And that's the irony of it is that the, the name Hot Rod derives from a hot rodded engine, which is very common. I'm a mechanic too, by the way. Um, so I'm very familiar with this term. Cool. Um, <laughs> a hot rodded engine is an engine that is displaced outside of the bay of the engine because it is so large and so powerful that it generates a lot of heat. So it needs to be cooled. And one great way to cool an engine is when it's moving at 300 kilometers an hour, that the wind is hitting it directly instead of it mm -hmm. being in the car, where usually a lot of people familiar with this in their car, they have a fan in there, which runs a radiator and blows cold air onto the engine to cool it down. But so hot rodded engines are left on the outside. The ironic thing is the Dome Zero was never a hot rodded car. So mm. I think that maybe the name of the character uh, influenced uh, that final design on Hot Rod, where originally I don't think he was going to possess a hot rodded engine because the Dome Zero didn't originally have that. And the funny thing is, too, uh, the name Rodimus, uh, because they, they came up with both names of the character very early on, uh, Rodimus was going to be called Old Hot Rod. That was like the prototype name for him. Like they didn't even come up with that until much later. So old hot rod like new sound wave. Yeah, yeah, like new sound wave from the <laughs> Star TV dub. Um, I just um, I just googled the uh, um, the Dome Zero, and when you look at some of these pictures, I mean, I think these are seventy eight models. You can still see a resemblance to how hot rod. Well, long story short, when they went to do the classics toy, it's one hundred percent the Dome Zero. That's why I got that's one true. Can, yeah. yeah. If you look that's at the true. you look at the nineteen excuse me the two thousand six classics toy excuse me two thousand seven classics toy, uh, pretty much Aaron Archer was like, well, no better time than now to really go back to the history. And the ironic thing with classics was the first two toys that were engineered for classics were Starscream and Hot Rod, and that's why those two toys are very true to the original G one characters where everything else is more of a derivative it's it it's something else it's an optimus prime that's different it's a bumblebee that's different even an astro train um the megatron well it had its reasons but uh those two were the first ones engineered and that's why those ones were very true to almost like he-man classics where they just try to stay true to the design rather than be a modernization so it's the same thing where they were just trying to be true to the original design and they thought well no better than because again going back to Fluoridiri, he did those he did those designs first and then they made the toys afterwards and the engineering didn't exist back then i mean keep in mind g1 hot rod where's that engine block when you transform him it's on the back mm -hmm. of his head you know yeah. and imagine it took it took 20 years and an animated toy to go hey we could put it on the chest and then hide it you know even even the classics toy couldn't didn't think of that you know they just left it on the chest you know they they didn't know how to do it back then and then finally the the the, the masterpiece toy kind of like really put the the nail in the coffin but it's just back then the engineering didn't exist for the G1 toy so but when they did the classics toy they were just like here we go this is it this is the dome zero that we've always wanted to do of G1 hot rod with a little homages here and there of other stuff but Fluorodiri essentially based it off of that car and mixed with um, Flint Dilly's writing and the previous uh, draft writers of the 86 uh, movie, 
it pretty much created this character and he was from day one was supposed to be the character that would take everything to the next step and that was chosen one well and it was also it was something that was also going on in comic books at the time not just uh transformers but just marvel dc in general um dc was just coming off of a uh, a miniseries that they did called uh crisis on infinite earth where a lot of characters were kind of being the next generation the you know the Barry Allens were dying and the Wally Wests were taking over Flash, the Hal Jordans were dying and the you know Kyle Rayners were taking over of Green Lantern, and so in comic books and even there was you know the cases where even Robin was probably going to take over from Batman there was thoughts of too or Robin becoming Nightwing which was happening in comic books, so they also felt you know let's do this next transition you can't do Optimus Prime forever and you have to realize something too this was during a time where. Um, when you had a, you you were a transformer character, you got your one shot at a toy, and that was it. If you got a second shot, it had to be a brand new body or something, you know. So well, Hasbro also didn't really know what they had in terms of the fan base. Oh, totally. That were attached to these toys. Oh, totally. They they they, they had no. Well, they they had a vague idea, but they didn't realize the backlash because they, again, the thing is that what people tend to forget was that G one was written and drawn and worked in-house with Marvel. Marvel was working very closely with them. And so when you're working very closely with a comic book company, a lot of the writing and influences come from what's happening within that industry at the time. And that was just it. There was a lot of growth, a lot of moving on happening uh, within the comic book industry, like fictionally, internally. And so they thought, well, we should probably go that direction too, coupled with the fact that we can't sell the same Optimus Prime toy forever. We just re-release this rub sign thing. That's going to get us through it a little bit, you know, so we'll release all the figures again. But we wouldn't see the decoy gimmick until 87 and, you know, the, the iron-on patch gimmick in 88, you know, so like where they would re-release the toys and put pack-ins to make an excuse for it, or the mini-spies even, another good example. Um, but it's just, it's one of these things where they were like, we got, we're going to get rid of this, you know, a, a large group of characters. And I find it ironic when you watch the 86 movie, um, when they're pushing the launcher to shoot Devastator, there's this beautiful product shot of here's all the new guys. And it's like, boom, they're all pushing the launcher and it's one big spread and it's there's Cup, Blur, uh, not Blur, uh, Hot Rod, uh, Springer. Springer and and RC and it's like here's your new pro- here's your new '86 toy line essentially like they were mm-hmm. almost blatantly showing it to you that like and right That's after right after RC looked at all the dead yeah d- dead dead yeah. wind charger and, and wheeljack you know yeah. um, which is again which so is so much is, heartbreak it's it's and that's just what they were going through when they were writing that but they had huge hopes um, for this hot rod character. And the thing is too, was that also in 1985, Japan uh, got back transformers. They got it uh, in their country and they really wanted to take the, you know, hold of the franchise for a little bit. So they were the ones who were also kind of in charge of the Rodimus characterization. Like the thing is, is that while 86 was kind of, you know, the 86 movie and everything, that was written by Flint Dilly, when they got into season three, the writing of the character of Hot Rod was actually handled by the Japanese. And the Japanese, if you're anyone who's a real aficionado of Japanese writing and storytelling, um, they love flawed main characters. 
They love, like, it dates as far back as Gundam with Amuro Ray, the main character. They love characters that are conflicted because within their culture that creates more uh, re- relatability and realism because they have they are a culture in themselves where there's a lot of conflictions and expectations to do well in school and to be a salary man and do well you know you spend your whole life to get into the greatest kindergarten then into the greatest grade school to get into the greatest high school the greatest college to, then to get into Tokyo U only to get paid crap and, you know, go to karaoke bars, and this is the 80s, keep in mind, karaoke bars and, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, um, gyudon shops. And again, I'm going into Japanese culture here, but it's just they love flawed characters because they're relatable. Americans, on the other hand, uh, we love our Captain Americas. We love our, uh, well, I'm Canadian, but we love our, our perfect heroes. Our, you know, our Superman, our super, exactly, our Supermans, our Captain Americas, our Optimus Primes, where are which are John Wayne characters. They know what to do, and what they do is the right thing to do. They don't, they don't ever second guess themselves. If anything, there's someone else on the team who will be second in command will exist to second guess himself, but it will never be the Optimus Prime character. So when eighty, the eighty six cartoon series came out here, which was written internally by a Japanese crew of people in general, with Flint Dilly's help, um, a lot of people just were like, what's with this Hot Rod character? Uh, what with this Rodimus character? Why is he so whiny and everything? And it, that's how he came across, unfortunately, because of, number one, um, how they were also working with the toys and how they were working uh, with the Japanese. Number one, when I say the toys is because, and this is a unfortunate thing, if you actually watch G1, season one, season two, uh, Optimus Prime is absent in only two episodes in an entire span of, to my knowledge, I believe it's 51 episodes, season one and season two. In season three, Rodimus is absent for almost 50% of the series. And the reason for that was when they were writing the stories for the episodes, there was still this inclination that Ultra Magnus is an important character and a leader character and the city commander that would oppose the Galvatron. And this has to do with the scale of the toy, number one, because Rodimus was way too short for Galvatron, if you compare the toys. Um, So the Japanese just felt that those two meshed very well, not to mention the fact a series that we didn't get in America at the time, Scramble City, which was a uh, prequel, if you will, to the 86 movie, which also fleshed out that Galvatron and Ultra Magnus were kind of rivals. So when they got into the writing of the 86 cartoon, Rodimus was really pushed to the wayside, and that was kind of a shame, combined with the fact that you had um, uh, Nelson Shin, who was the guy who helped with some of the animation for the 86 movie. He kind of took over animation, and Nelson Shin's studio, which is Acom Studios, their best-known work is The Simpsons. But I wouldn't rely on the guys who do The Simpsons to draw giant robots. So there's a reason why, like, the animation style also was kind of eh in a lot of episodes. Uh, it kind of went from really good, like Call of the Primitives, to really bad, like Carnage and C Minor. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, like, again, that character is so loaded with, with so many things. And, like... I, again, I could talk about him forever because there's just, yeah. there's so much stuff, relate, especially just related to Transformers history and how the brand was shifting in 86 are directly linked to that character. You know what I mean? And it's just all that stuff. Like, I mean... Now, with the... get Go If ahead. you want to... Getting back to the comics, yeah. where would you... Where would you say that he first burst onto the scene? 
Uh, I know we have a list here, and because it's it's kind of to remind myself too, because always my knee-jerk reaction when people say when was Hot Rod's first appearance, I always mention the UK uh, issue Cup story, which was '84. Uh, I think it was uh, no, it was one one thirty-two. Yeah. Yeah. And um, which chronologically with the U- with the American books actually came out. Transformers number 84, which is pretty close to the end of the series. So, um, mm-hmm. which is incorrect because, uh, in, um, in the American books, to my knowledge, his first appearance was Headmasters number one. While not a grand appearance, yes. it was technically his first appearance. If you want to be one of those, you know, when they, when they wrote the Marvel Universe books and they put first appearance and they put in, you know, like the actual issue, yes. it is technically Headmasters number one. But, uh, he'd seen like, but the the movie yeah. the movie book yeah. number one I, I, I'm came out before to Headmasters number G1 one G one continuity of Marvel right of yeah course, because yeah. the spinoff but like the spinoff books that were their own continuity I mean and not to mention the the, yeah. the Marvel uh, movie books supposedly are tied to the UK comics like that's all that same continuity so I mean that's where it gets really mm-hmm. hairy where things like it's because with with, right. with America that was just its own thing in the UK it was uh, it was a whole spin off of a whole other timeline and the time wars and, yeah. and everything were already there now there's splinter timelines and you know and then in one timeline Rodimus was yeah. killed and pinned between the two towers that were also blown up wow that was a foreshadowing you know <laughs> imagine in 19 this yeah. was 1988 um but like yeah, it, yeah but i think uh, actually i think um Hot Rod appeared briefly before Cup Story at the end of the Target 2006 uh, miniseries. Yes, you are correct. Um, Because in the Target 2006 stuff, he was in it. Um, But it's just when I... The reason why I always say that one, because it's like if you took chronologically, if you took all the stories, because they're all flashback. The thing with the UK, too, is that they'll literally start a story. And that story will start 200 years before. And they'll be very vague about it. They won't really like you. Know, there was there was one story that right. they did. It was a black and white called Peace, where they don't really mention. It. It's just like okay, now we're three thousand years in the future, and there's no Decepticons anymore. And it was just it was just like a one shot story right. where well, what if the war was over? What would happen then? It was a, it was a story called Peace, and it just it happens out of nowhere, like it just comes out of context. A lot of those backup stories that the UK guys did. They kind of because they were done on a weekly basis, they were all over the place. And I don't want to say Simon Furman was doing a bad job. I think Simon Furman's a god, in my opinion. He did he br- he brought he brought so much. <laughs> I mean, he has a he has his flaws too, but he brought so much to Transformers fiction that, in my opinion, is some of the most important pieces of Transformers fiction. Um, I mean, it's a lot better than having Quintus on origin, in my opinion, and being created by little squid yeah. guys. I, I like the more. <laughs> Uh, Primus origin where these guys have some, they're greater than what they think they are you know like there's there's actually a grand mm-hmm. scheme to all of this on a global on a global on a universal level I, re- I love that a lot more and it's just Simon Furman but just back mm-hmm. then um, when you're working on comics weekly as opposed to monthly um, and just he was working on other books at the time too he wasn't just exclusively doing Transformers like he is today 
uh, I think that a lot of stuff just got all over the place. And that's why like people make fun of Simon with his Furmanisms, where he kind of has the same kind of sentence structure with a lot of his stuff. But that's just because when you write so much within a short period of time, you kind of forget if you've used that line or if you've used it over and over. And the truth be told is a lot of these guys who work in the comic industries, they're actually their worst fans. Like they hate reading their own stuff. So because they don't read their own stuff, they're never really reminded of what they've done. They have to be reminded by fans or years later, they'll reread it again. So he, he was one of those guys that also forgot what he's done in the past, even if it was like three weeks ago. So a lot of stuff would always conflict. I mean, and go ahead. And he's he's pretty self-aware now. Oh yeah, he, now now he's had he, he has tons of tons of years. I mean, when he was at, when he was asked to come back for Beast Wars, he essentially he said like uh, I think it was Bacon, uh 1995. He said that he essentially uh, started rereading everything that he did to make sure when he did those Beast Wars episodes that everything kind of lined up well. And Beast Wars originally was kind of penned that this was something that. It could have came from the Marvel cartoon universe. It could have came from the Marvel comic universe. You know, it it could have. Right. Been... Well, I thought originally it didn't really have any connection. Well, they kind of added there that was, later. Uh, in season one, there was no connection. In season one, in season one, they had yeah, no intention of this being about. a spinoff of G one. And you know, bef- nowadays we say the Great War, but that term was never coined until Beast Wars. And when it was first coined in Beast Wars, we didn't think anything of it. What was the Great War? We could be, you know, you have to realize too, the term G1 was not officially termed until the Japanese did it in 2001 when they did the PVC line and they said these PVCs are based on the Generation 1 characters. Before that, that was just a fan coin term like Seeker Jet, like uh, Fembot, any of that. Minibot, all of that was originally, uh, you know, the cassette bots or, you know, the, you know, the cassette drones or whatever. Now they're called uh, cassette cons or recordicons. But riddle me this, Daniel. Go ahead. Didn't Simon write a novella after the Generation 2 comics that tied in uh, Beast Wars and the original? Um, he did a he did a story. I believe it was called uh, End Road or something. Uh, not End Road. It was something something similar to that. Alignment? Not, I no, think. no. I think it wasn't alignment. It was something else where, yeah, there was a tie between uh, G two and Beast Wars, but it, it supposedly because it wasn't done on an official manner. Because this is also when Bacon wasn't like official, official. It was still like a fan run convention that just happened to get toys made by Hasbro. Um, supposedly, it isn't canon, but it's it's somewhere on the wiki. Um, I, it looks like it's alignment. I think it's alignment. You might be correct. I remember it was it was, and it was just something about uh, Megatron and Optimus, like the original G one Optimus and Megatron. Yeah, um, it was uh, alignment. Was the story of uh, how the Transformers defeated Liege Maximo? Since yeah. Liege Maximo was introduced at the end of G two, but nothing, nothing ever, ever happened came with him. And also on yeah. top of that, he was also he wanted to do a. Uh, there was a, they were also trying to do a. Uh, with um, Circuit Breaker, they were trying to do a spin-off book with with uh, her little crew too. They were trying to do that with Marvel, and that never got off the ground. I believe there was a cover that was leaked of that or something. Um, but there was a lot of things that he wanted to do with afterwards because at that point, by G two, he wasn't getting many writing jobs in in Marvel. And when you're, when you're a writer in in the comic book industry, it's all about volume. That's how you make. That's how you keep your head above water. There, you know, a book is a book might run on forever, but they're not going to keep you around forever. So you got to do as much stuff as you can in a short period of time. And 
in Simon's case, yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure that after G2 ended, he was probably pitching a lot of stuff like crazy to keep uh, keep that paycheck coming, you know. And and that was one of them though that you are like that was that was a short story that he wrote that was text only with I believe it had two images that were drawn by uh, Andrew Wildman. And that was at BotCon, I want to say it was 2006 that it made its first appearance, even though it was something that was done previously. Um, and I know, too, like also Simon, uh, he brought to TFCon, he brought a whole bunch of his unreleased scripts for when he did like War Within, like the stuff that never came to be. Same thing with Energon, uh, because, you know, Dreamwave went funk, you know. So he had a lot of ideas in his head that never came to fruition. That guy, he has, and him, he's probably one of the better writers of Transformers. Um, I, I, again, I really like the guys who, who worked on Beast Wars specifically, but that, that unfortunately changes from episode to episode. In general, there was two scripters, but you would get guys like, uh, oh God, what was his name? Paul Simmons, who worked on Rescue Bots. Amazingly, he used to do some of the most hardcore episodes of Beast Wars were done by a guy who worked on Rescue Bots. Uh, guerrilla warfare and uh, bad spark two really violent episodes were done by the same guy who worked on rescue bot episodes ironically the you know the kids show by hasbro but uh i think simon Furman's just one of those dudes that he's always been consistently good even james roberts i love what he's doing now but some of his past stuff wasn't always that great but uh simon has always been usually very consistently good when he did war within i loved it when he did uh you know any other ser- i think the only one that i really didn't like i think simon Furman ruined armada <laughs> i think that uh when he got on the dreamwave armada book i think that he he took it in another direction that i think the book shouldn't have gone in it's just anyways we're going off on a tangent here but <laughs> it's just i'm sh- I'm sure we could talk. Uh, we could talk nonstop oh, with you about uh, any, any topic. topic. And you know what, any the listeners, topic. you'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for you'll sure. Because the thing is, is that um, I'm one of the the guys who update the wiki constantly, and I actually purposely don't put a lot of stuff because I like to have that edge. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, sure. you know, I, I, there there was actually uh, there's another Transformers podcast uh, called RFC Radio Free Cybertron. And they did a segment called Stump Monzo. And Monzo, uh, Matt, who's a really good friend of mine, uh, he's also one of those dudes who knows a lot about Transformers. But unfortunately, he kind of relies on what's on the wiki. You know, so I was one of those guys that came on. was just like I asked him a question that just wasn't on the wiki. You know, <laughs> and that was his that was his response. He was like, that's not on the wiki. I'm like, yeah, I know, because I didn't put it there yet. And, and it's still not. Well, wait. Well, wait. What's the purpose of trying to stump someone if they can just search the wiki? That's not. That's fair. that's why I ask those kind yeah. of questions because someone exactly. can. Eat... So we need a panel with you and Chris McFeely. Chris, Mc... <laughs> Chris McFeely has yeah. been getting on my butt for years to put a whole bunch of uh, Japanese manga stuff up. Chris McFeely has been bugging me forever to put Challenge of the Convoy Cup, which was a official. Uh, Japanese wrestling match with the 86 Autobots for leadership. Don't add, it's 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 a real comic, <laughs> and because me I um I have an obsession with the Japanese fiction of Transformers because there was a lot more to that than meets the eye. No pun intended. What came out over there? there was a lot <laughs> I think stuff. that pun was intended. Yeah, <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff that came out of there that just a lot of people are not aware of, and um, a lot of people if they see when I go to Botcon every year. 
most of the stuff that I buy isn't action figures. I go straight to the Japanese guys and I go, give me your weird books. Give me your weird, your weird Japanese <laughs> source books that have like schematics of the, the Axelon from Beast Wars. You know, stuff that like we just... In any other setting, going to Japanese vendors and saying, give me your weird books would have a whole nother... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they'll give me my, their Kiss Play books then, which, trust me, yeah. there was plenty yeah. of that too at Bacon <laughs> that just passed. So there was a lot of those weird oh. books too, but... Um, the, the doshinjis as we call them. Uh, but it's just like, I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and there's so much of it out there that people just are not aware of. I mean, for the longest time, so many people just did not know who star saber was, you know, like, or, or guy or, or excuse me, guy, uh, metal Hawk or, or, uh, God Ginrai, any of those guys. It's only recently that now cool. when transformers really started becoming mainstream, the people really started digging and then finding these characters. They've been around forever, but it's just only people just really started noticing them, and now IDW's bringing them in and really making them mainstream. But for the longest time, like, who was a Star Saber to people? You know, who was a, uh, you know, a Road Caesar or Diatlas or Sonic Bomber, any of those guys? Like, Hasbro mm -hmm. kind of went out of their way to kind of not use those characters. And I think Energon was the closest we ever got to that back then was when they brought in Wing Saber, which was more or less a Star Saber homage. But anyways. Well, that was that was well done. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah. uh, we're already like 38 minutes in. I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to kill this podcast. This, That's why. This is a, uh, a comic heavy podcast. Yeah. No, no, it's good. We love it. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on to toys now. This week we got some really cool images from a third-party company and the names is Oh, it's uh the Keith's Fantasy Club. I love KFC, this company name. Man. Love it, man. <laughs> the uh the logo for these guys is just phenomenal. The uh the KFC logo, but they've got the Gundam head with the Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, just just look up the uh just look up a third-party company, KFC. It's fantastic. Anyway, the product we're looking at is the uh, co uh, Combiner Slam, Slam Tank and Jet Dancer. And this is an homage to uh, Grand Slam and Rain Dance. And Jeremy, you uh, you wanted to put this uh, topic up here. You wanted to tell us a little bit more about this, eh? Yeah, because, I mean, I had the G1 toys of these guys as a kid. And, you know, I just thought it was great, these two tapes that could come together. And they just, it looks like they did a really good job on them. The, the colors are great. At least the, the photoshopped image with the colors look good. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a big third-party guy, but, I mean, these guys interest me. And and the BBTS is it's showing it the pre-order for 40 bucks, And, yeah. you know, that that seems pretty good, right? Well, considering yeah, what the I Masterpiece mean, ones were for Soundwave, it's totally in that same range. So it's perfectly mm -hmm. understandable. And usually, right. uh, usually third-party toys have just as many parts and are just as well done. I mean, mm -hmm. so, if not better, if not better, exactly, well, especially than some Hasbro product. And I don't want to be that guy, but no. a lot of times uh, they really do go above and beyond the, the, the budget that Hasbro and Takara limits themselves to. I mean, but mm -hmm. yeah, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. There's, oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, there's not much detail on this other than the pictures, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, the cassette forms could fit into Masterpiece. I, uh, you know yeah. what? Based on their previous stuff, um, that ha that does exist at uh, Bacon that they brought uh, at their parts party. It will. It probably will. I I I think it would be stupid for them to engineer it this way to not do that. I mean that that's that's probably one of the biggest selling points is to have something to fill the gap for your masterpiece Soundwave. 
to have that little army. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it would be silly for them not to. But do that. Uh, these ones are the Autobot tapes, correct? Yeah, yeah, they were they were Autobot characters. But I'm just saying, like for again, it's the same scale for for uh, Blaster, you know. But obviously, yeah. But the uh, the Decepticon versions were the ones that are already yes. out, right? It's the one with the uh, the the gorilla and, and they the, did the black uh, repaints I already, also. Yes, so those ones will be the obviously the the sound wave ones, but you should hope that there might be a blaster in the future that would that, that would, would look, that would be great. Would be. I think there's a lot of people hoping for that. Oh, yeah. Did these yeah. guys appear anywhere in the fiction except I remember they appeared briefly in the Underbase Saga in the G1 comic are, series, just correct. as their tape form, but. They, did they appear anywhere um, else? They made a cameo appearance on a cover, uh, not a cover, a Dreamwave uh, piece of art with Soundwave, but never in fiction. Al- always in, in art okay. stuff, pinups. Uh, I know, same thing, Alex Milne loves to do stuff like that where he, he'll do like a, he did a Blaster cover where he put every cassette that Blaster ever had, regardless if it was confirmed or not, and he had uh, th- those two guys too. Uh, in that, that was, I believe that was Spotlight Blaster, but it was the Retailer Incentive cover. So, like, Mm -hmm. these dudes and the Decepticon ones, uh, Squawk Box and, and, and excuse me, Beast Box and Squaw Talk, um, those guys, too, outside of that one appearance you just mentioned in in the Underbase, nothing. Absolutely. Unless you want to count, like, fiction that was just written internally, uh, in the IDW uh, More to Meets the Eye books, which they gave little profiles on each character, and each character profile kind of had a little bit of fiction within it. We, you know, the, we call mm-hmm. it micro fiction, which is like within a tech spec. Sometimes there's fiction written within it. Oh yeah, those I got all those profile books back in the Dreamwave yeah. era, where it was very hard to track yeah, those well, down. The, yeah, the More to Meets the Eye books issues one to eight. Yeah, and like so, yeah, like yeah. he had something there. If you want to really start like skimming the bottle of the barrel, but that's that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. Then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's something to look forward to for sure. And at forty bucks, definitely uh, something to add to your pre-order list. Oh yeah. Um, next on the toy list is something that I kind of got excited about when I saw it. It's the uh, Transformers Prime's Micron Blind Bags Wave 2 have started appearing at UK retail. Now, these ones, you may not know what they are just by hearing the name, but uh, they, they, they hold a, uh, a figure that everyone exploded about when it, they, it hit the market originally, and that's a Bulkhead Knuckle. And this figure, it, it transforms. It originally came in a, um, like a little capsule in Japan, and that's the only way it really, you could get it, was that it was a capsule toy, and that's something that's really popular in Japan these days, is is they've gotten away from, you know, gum and all that crap that's over here in North America. They've gotten to these capsule toys, and getting these capsule toys, they got they got real popular, and Bulkhead Knuckle was just the runaway all-star of this wave, because he essentially transformed into a really small version of Bulkhead from Transformers Prime, and then his alt mode was a fist, a, a big green fist. So if you got two of them, you could put them on any deluxe or, or Voyager class figure, and they generally looked like a, a your figure was wearing a very large pair of Hulk hands. Yeah, I was about to say that. It looks like Hulk hands. <laughs> it is awesome. It is absolutely the coolest thing. And, uh, and these things were available. I think Captured Prey was the place that you could find them. And you could get a set for $5. And they flew out of there. 
I think when I went to look for them, they had one, and I, I tried to get them to ship, and it was going to be like 14 or $15 to ship to Canada for this $5 thing. And I was like, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't, uh, you know, get that for, you know, it's too much shipping, but um, I'm super stoked to see these things starting to show up. And I, I'm going to try and get, like, as many Hulk hands for my guys. It's just, it's so fun. Well, what's interesting, too, it's done by uh, Tommy Gatcha. And Tommy Gatcha is actually responsible for all the um, all the little uh, capsule stuff that's available in Walmart. Like okay. If you, if you ever go near the bathrooms and you see there's, like, you know, they had the, uh, what was really popular at the time, the Winnie the Pooh Bears with the the rubber sleeves that go over them that made animals and fruits. So that's the same company. So, I mean, call me crazy, but it's a possibility. And the thing is, too, is that it would not be the the first time that we've had um, vending machine transformer stuff. Uh, When the 2007 movie came out, uh, Tommy actually released in vending machines, if you looked around, they were out there, a little... Like I guess you could call them cell phone danglers of the movie characters, and okay. what they were. If you, it's they were like little keychain movie danglers, uh, movie like little. I guess you call them cell phone danglers. And what it was, it was a rubber like shell, if you will, of the character from the movie. And when you when you peeled it off of it, it was the alt mode under oh, it. Oh, cool. And uh, I guess I'll try to find some image of him. You could, you could, I don't know, you guys have a forum or whatever that you... Oh, yeah, to. we got our website. We okay, put it up on so the website. You can, you can put it as a reference for people here. Yeah. But uh, so it was not. it's not the first time that Tommy has released stuff like this stateside. So, I mean, I mean, I don't want to give people false hope here, but it's a strong possibility that this, mm-hmm. could, this could be just the early signs. I mean, usually, and the funny thing is, usually the UK are the last people to get this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but or anything at all. But <laughs> in, in this case, uh, it's kind of interesting that they get it. So, uh, I don't yeah. know. No, it'd be great. Um, I mean, I have no problem getting blind bag stuff and, and feeling around to find it, but uh, but if they could bri- arrive in capsule form and i got to feed loonies or toonies to a quarter or to a machine, then I'll, I'll do that. It's not a, not a big deal. But uh, yeah. but those those Hulk hands, man, they are they're just fun. They're they're just it's just that's what that's what this this hobby is supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be fun, and you're supposed to have a good time with it. And giving your figures Hulk hands, it's that that just that's that is fun. So this this was done by Tom. This is Tommy Capsule. That's the T Y C in the behind it there. And these were uh, released uh, stateside. These were American created stuff for for the American market. So mm-hmm. it's totally possible possible that this stuff could find its way to the shores of Canada and the United States in the near future. And cool. next next time you go to Walmart's bathroom, you'll walk by it. <laughs> <laughs> or leaving, it's usually it's usually near the bathrooms, usually near the exits, one or the other. Yeah. I might not Very mind cool. uh, the next time my son begs me for that. He's always begging for me to give him a couple quarters to put in those machines. If this was mm-hmm. there, I would definitely be Encourage yeah it. be looser with my money there. Like, you better come yeah. back with a bulkhead son. <laughs> yeah. So here's a roll of quarters go to go to town. Yeah. Now uh Jeremy you wanted to discuss the uh the Transformers subscription service, eh? It's got a little bit of a change coming on to it, eh? Yeah, well, I mean, first thing they um I noticed they just billed me for the next um two figures today, so Nice. Nice. They are <laughs> moving along so they've already shipped Slipstream and Scourge, so um, they still have four, four figures to go. But 
over the last couple of days they announced the 2.0 um, version of the subscription service. And it starts, they're saying approximately February 2014. And if you followed how the first version of this went, that could mean 2015. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but but they're, they're saying um, you'll get six shipments with um, one per month. And the sixth shipment is actually going to have a seventh um, bonus figure Ooh. that they're saying is never going to be sold in their store. So, um, you know, shapes out up to be a, a pretty good deal. Um, I mean, if you're judging by the um, the current prices for the 1.0 mm-hmm. um, service, and they've also released their first, um, they've announced the first figure, um, which is Treadshot based on the Generations Warpath mold. And, and you like that? Uh, do you like that mold? Do you have that mold yet? Well, I don't have the mold, but um, it does look good. I've, I've wanted the mold for a while, but I just I'm I'm too cheap and lazy to, <laughs> to actually go out and get it. But I mean, this guy looks pretty good. I mean, it's I think it's still a, probably a photoshopped image, but you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm considering. But I mean, being in February, I still have plenty of time to make the decision. Oh sure, whether I'm gonna sign up for this, but I have if they ha- sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I have the Warpath, uh, just a regular Warpath, and it is a fantastic mold. I, I absolutely love it. The uh, The way that they have him transform from tank to a robot is just it's great. I, I really have a lot of fun with that mold. So if you end up getting it, you'll have a lot of fun with it, I'm sure. Yeah, I think if they, if they have another kind of signature character, like an Ultra Mammoth from the 1.0, then that'll probably draw me in, because, I mean, that that's really the reason I, I subscribe to the first set is the Scourge and the, the Ultra Mammoth. Everything else is just bonus. Okay. And um, have they told you when to expect Ultra Mammoth? Or? No. It's, <laughs> they aren't... They don't announce what order you're getting things. And I figure he's probably going to be last. Probably. That's what everyone kind of wants, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, with... but but it's funny because they don't announce it, but when you get the box, it's got stickers on the outside that, that tell you what it is. <laughs> the uh, the two point Did they tell you when they're going to uh, how how often they're going to reveal a figure or no? No, they they haven't announced. Oh, it says um, the order period starts mid September, so I wouldn't I would expect probably between now and then. Because I think last year they announced all the figures before you could start signing up yeah, for Yeah, all it. the figures were announced at the last BACON, not the one that just passed, the one right. before that one. It was at the club panel. Okay. Yeah, but since there's no BACON between now and September. Yeah, and there's, yeah. there's, no, any, there's there, no anything really to announce it. So. Right. Well, there's New York. I don't know when that is. It's uh, coming up. A week from now, two weeks from now, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, but the club won't announce anything there. No. Yeah. Hasbro's so, presence isn't really big at the at New York, though, is it? Yeah, I would imagine they're just going to do another thing on Twitter like they did with Treadshot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think the only thing that kind of bothers me with it, though, is that they're already saying they're going to start taking orders mid-September, although we, uh, we're kind of uh, approaching on that extremely quickly. Um, yet, I still only have two figures out of the five uh, from last year. Yeah. yeah. And right. I just I really hope that they kind of speed that up 
because, I mean, yeah, I got Scourge, no problem, when I got back from Bacon, and uh, Slipstream came, no problem. But let's just keep it going. I'd, I'd like to get everything right. before I make another big drop payment in February. You know what I mean? Very good. Well, that's cool. Um, that uh, excuse me. That's cool about the uh, the two point figures. It's uh, crappy that you're still got that you guys are still waiting for your uh, your last year's figures. I mean, they could obviously just two, two years ago two years ago figures exactly. They could obviously if they got them all in the warehouse, they could just send them out and save on shipping. Yeah. I mean, it's no brainer. Uh, but uh, moving on, this would be the part uh, part of the show where I where I do my uh, my Cybertronian Beast review corner on G One Hot Rod. Now, I kind of already did a bit of it on uh, G1 Hot Rod, and uh, our special guest, Proto Man, definitely went into crazy depth uh, uh, history on uh, Hot Rod and his his inner turmoil on uh, his personality and where he came from. And uh, so definitely check out my review on YouTube. Um, I will post a link in the uh, show notes, but... Uh, yeah, it's a it's a nice short review. It's maybe about nine minutes long, so real easy to watch. And it's a G one figure, really. It's not hard to not hard to look at, or not hard to transform. Do you know about all the secrets of that G one figure? Oh no! How, that there's actually hidden detail on it that engineering did not allow. Do you know that that toy really? actually has knees that? Take apart the... Oh, man, now i got to pull up another photo for you guys. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Proto-Man, tell us more about the uh, the secrets of G1 Hot Rod, then. I, I don't uh, I don't have this information. Uh, one sec. I'll even pull you up. We knew we were going to get in trouble with Hot Rod when I we invited Proto-Man. I told you that Proto that's Man. a loaded... Oh, my goodness. This is, is crazy. That is a loaded question to, uh, to bring up. Um, essentially, the original G1 Hot Rod toy uh, was supposed to be taller, and when they engineered the toy... Um, they didn't, they put knee tabs here. I mean, it's called the hot mod. Here we go. Get ready to have your mind blown. <laughs> um, here we go. Uh, there was actually extra knee detail that was put and the way that the leg design was internally, the tabs were too short. So when you pull out the legs, they don't go completely all the way up. And uh, I posted the link for all you guys. If you scroll down yeah. right away. Wow. So that's another tidbit. I told you, like, if you're going to talk about this character, I have taken this character apart on every yeah. level humanly possible. So are you saying inside if you, every if you, hot if you rod? Take out, if you take apart your hot rod toy, they're going to show you. The, they yeah. manufactured two tabs, if you look. For some weird reason, yeah. the tab was put too low. And the leg, actually, if you if you transform, and the listeners too, transform your G1 hot rod, extend the legs. The legs actually don't go all the way for some reason. And there's, there's like an empty gap that dust could go into and everything into the leg shaft mm -hmm. cavity, if you will. And the reason for that is because there was a tab that was put there on every mold of hot rod that was never modified and fixed. And if you go in there and actually just cut it out and then put it back... Um, and the other thing that sucks about it, though is you're going to be puncturing two uh, stickers on the feet, which is that's the sad thing about it, is because that's the only way you can mm -hmm. get to the screws. But yeah. um, you're actually going to see that there was knee details and everything, and the leg finally clicks all the way up and makes the wow. toy even taller. So that's crazy. That's another now you know fact from Cra mind is successfully blown from, 
from Crazy Proto Man. I'm sorry. That is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I I I had this figure as a kid. I never thought I would discover something new almost 30 years later. Wow. That's what I love about Transformers is that we're still discovering stuff about everything wow. every year that is 20 or there's you know what there's there's still stuff in the 86 movie that we're still learning about every year so recently there was those deleted scenes that um some website had put together oh yeah that was uh jim jim sorensen like, like the the drawn quartering jim sorensen put it on uh bull taxes dis, 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 uh, discipline or whatever his, uh, his blog is called he put up a whole bunch of those that he had yeah. and those he got those are yeah, amazing got, it was a whole bunch of uh, storyboards and everything of all kinds of stuff. The 86 movie was chock filled with things that just never made it to the cutting room board because I mean, today, nowadays we live in an age where every movie comes with a DVD extra of extras and storyboards and behind the scenes and that, 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 that. back in the day, no one thought about that. You know, no one, no one took, you know, stuff got thrown out, stuff got burned, stuff got, you know, ignored. Mm -hmm. But now we rely on the old men of the past and, corner them and ask them questions like I do, you know, did you do this, you know, and then I'll get some answers out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, probably our, our, our last topic, but we're going to, we're going to run with this one for a bit, I'm sure. Um, it's a, it's a topic we like to call trips to the store where we kind of go over our, our recent purchases for the week. Um, Yoshi, let's start with you. What have you gotten anything in the last week? You know, I uh, I picked up a book off of Amazon called "You Can Draw Transformers," <laughs> and uh, you know, back uh, before the dot com bubble burst, I used to do a lot more artistic work. I, I I was lucky enough to have a dot com job before that fell out from underneath me, and I've always wanted to get back to to the art stuff. And I've been collecting these books on how to draw and. I've never found any good Transformer ones until I found this one. And uh, it just, I am blown away at how well the book alone is made, let alone the information that's inside of it. I mean, you can lay it down flat. It's spiral ground. So oh, that one, okay. Pa- yeah. yeah. I, was trying, I was trying to run in my head which one you're talking about. Okay. It's a recent one. And Yeah, and, and, and it's just, it, it, it takes you through the basics from drawing all the way through to, you know, here's Optimus Prime, here's how we went about it. And uh, it's probably one of the best books I have on drawing. And I have, you know, How to Draw the Marvel Way, and I have the Kickstarter I Draw Comics. And compared to both of those, this one just blows me away at how well it's made and and the information that's inside of it. Awesome. I remember trying to draw Transformers as like a seven-year-old kid. They were were horrendous, but, you know, they were just, you know, they were awesome to me. This, uh, This looks like something you can, you know, legitimately, you know, make art from yeah no it's it's it it's spelled out really well i mean if a moron like me can can flip through and be like <laughs> okay this makes sense then then anybody can right on okay jeremy how have you been doing this week what have you picked up i don't make it make my way to my comic book shop uh but like maybe every month and a half to two months yeah, I, I get most of the comics digitally, but I, I double dip just because I like having the paper copy too. And in my my bag this week, I had More Than Meets the Eye 19, uh, Robots in the Sky is 19 and 20, Monstrosity 2 and 3, and since I didn't have a subscription, I actually 
paid back issue prices for number two. Oh. And the guy there was, you know, nice enough to like, hey, you want to just add this to your subscription? I mean, even though there's a you know, few more left. So um, that was nice. And I also picked up Regeneration 193. And, you know, I've been hard on that series. And I actually read through this one today. Because I'd given it up after 90. And this this was actually a good story. I enjoyed 93. I think this is the first one that Guido's doing the art. Yeah, it is. And I, I really liked it. I mean, I like his his old Marvel style that he did in some of the, the other ongoing books when they did flashbacks and it just fit right in. Mm-hmm. And the story just, what really drove me nuts when I dropped it was just, there was just like little bits of story here and there and it just jumped from plot thread to plot thread and just seemed like there was too much going on in each book. And this one stuck to pretty much two main stories and maybe a small bit of some other ongoing stuff, and it just flowed a lot better. Oh, good. Glad you liked it. Now, when you say that you had to pay back issue prices for number two of Monstrosity, what do you mean by that? What's a back issue price for you? Well, I mean, I paid, I think, four fifty. Oh, okay. Uh, I have to look, but uh, it's not in just the room it's more than retail. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they have all the back issues in the drawers, and the newer back issues are always. They always cost really? more. Okay. Um, at least in the, I guess if it was a popular. Book. Yeah. But yes, yeah, something um, I don't have at my store. Right and on. Yeah, I guess uh, regeneration one. Uh, that's a also a kind of a hot rod focused issue, so <laughs> it ties into. Oh yeah. Ties yeah, into the theme of our show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Moving on, Charles. You might as well keep going. Okay. Did you get anything this week? Yeah. So this was a this was a slow week for me. So I. Didn't there were no IDW comics out this week, and I didn't get any toys this week. I've actually, I guess, uh, didn't didn't pick up anything. But Amazon told me that the uh, I guess the 30th anniversary uh, comics uh, Transformers issue that's supposed to be out is it came out this week, and now Amazon is saying they're going to deliver it uh, sometime next week. So maybe I'll have that to talk about at a f- in a future episode. Nice. And uh, and that's uh, is that an IDW release? Yes, I think it is. It's it's like a it's a it's a retrospective of the, you know the the uh, co- talking about all the comics, uh, the Transformers comics of the last thirty years of the you know it's one of the thirtieth anniversary books oh, okay. for you know commemorating the thirtieth anniversary of Transformers. So it's, it's it's an IDW press book. Yeah. It's it not is. the one that uh, has the transforming cover, is it? No, no. No, no, no. That's no. that's the Covenant of Primus. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Cool. Um, let's see. I'll go. And I went to a toy show on Sunday and uh, picked up uh, a number of figures, actually. I found I found a G1 Inferno for uh, for 10 bucks. The guy... Uh, the guy only wanted ten bucks for it. It was missing. It's missing its white wings, like the wings that go beside its head, um, and he uh, missing his arm cannon. So the little, the thing that replaces its hand. And uh, yeah, it, it's in great condition for ten bucks. Uh, I got a G1 Sea Spray for five bucks. Perfect condition. Wow. I know, right? A G1 Wheelie for five bucks. Also in great condition. 
I never actually ever owned a wheelie, so this is the first wheelie I've ever owned, and I'm just really happy about it. Um, I ended up getting a Grimlock from the Classics line for $750, uh, and it's complete. I, had, I got a Rodimus from the Classics line. Now, I already have Rodimus. Uh, he came in the double pack that I have uh, with uh, Cyclonus, Battle in space. which I actually... Yeah, I got him. I got it signed at uh, TFCon, and uh, I the wanted most, to get the this most ro- appropriate thing to get signed there. Actually, of course, it, it, is. it only dawned you know? on me afterwards when everyone started bringing it. I was like, "That's such a clever idea because it's both characters on there. They're both there, right?" Yeah. Um, but I wanted to get this Rodimus um, because it had the uh, the dark colors on him, and it would uh, it would go with the fans project armor if I could ever find it. It seems to be. Like the hardest thing to find right now. So, but again, I only paid seven fifty for it, so I'm not too upset if I can't find it. And imagine that mold at one point was ninety bucks. Really? Oh yeah. When when that wow. when the protector armor first came out, and mm-hmm. there and uh, your only options was Henke Rodimus or the original classics one, that mold was stupid. How much it was going for on eBay? But oh, again, I can imagine. But again, imagine just. Little burst, everyone got impatient. Yeah, people pay for yeah. it. I, it is missing its uh, its missile or the exhaust flame that goes in the guns, but I'm not too worried about that either. Uh, wanna, here, here's another pro tip. Um, not not only is that exhaust missile the same with all the other Rodimuses, but uh, Cybertron uh, smokescreen, which was a repaint from Crosswise, I think his name was. It was okay. one of the Cybertron. He, he has the exact same exhaust missile. It was the same mold, 100%. So you, cool. fi- so you find a junker of him, it'll still work. Awesome. Again, I, I know too much for my own good. <laughs> and uh, my heart, my um, heart rises in the same shape. Yeah. He, I, I have that, that Cyclonus pack, and I don't know what happened to this. <laughs> <laughs> and the last figure that I got was uh, Breacher from Hunt for Decepticons. Um, and it's missing his weapon, but I wanted the Breacher so bad because I have Sea Spray. And he, he, that's a good yeah. mold. Oh, it goes that's, so that's well with Sea Spray. That's one of the best scout molds from that year. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the guys I, I have on my desk at work. I'm always fiddling oh, with yeah. him. Oh, yeah. He apparently combines with Sea Spray. I actually saw a picture of it online when I was messing around. And uh, I'm going to try and, you know, I'm, when I do a, a review eventually of Breacher, I'm going to try and... Uh, and combine them with sea spray. That was, that was the gimmick with the Hunts of the Zepicons. Uh, Breacher combined with sea spray, and you had the other one. Uh, God, he had so many different mold names. He combined with the one that looked like Dreadwing. I don't even know what the hell they called them. They, again, there's so many different names for that mold. Yeah. Uh, it was Sunspot was one of the repaints of it. I'm trying to. Oh, remember. the the uh, the the sports car. The one that no, got, not uh, no, it, was, it was the it was the jet and it combined the, the big jets combined with oh. the smaller jet, which was kind of like a homage to G two Dreadwing. Oh right, right, right. I'm trying to remember. Um, Again, they have, they have so many freaking names with the repaints. So yeah. I don't remember which? I know Sunspot was one of them. Hmm. But anyways, so yeah, that one too. It's the, the same concept from the same year. They did that with two two groups of uh, Voyagers that went with Scout figures. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool idea. Yeah. No, no, I'll, I'm just gonna definitely try it. I'll put a. Uh, I have a, a picture that I put for us here. I'm going to put it up so that everyone can see it, but uh, um, and I'll put it in the show notes. But but yeah, those are the figures that I got, and uh, yeah, no, it was a great toy show. It was uh, in Woodstock here in Ontario, and it was it was really nice in a uh, in a hockey arena, which I, I'm 
told is where TFCon yeah, started. That so was you, our 2002 year. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so who knows? This uh, this Witchstock show might uh, might have some some you know big big future ahead of it. But uh, Proto Man, did you did you get anything this week? We count stuff that comes in the mail. Because it's sure. A- what the hell, man? Okay, yeah. it's me. Whatever you got. Um, Rapid fire. What do you got? What do I got? Uh, my buddy Cook Sucks from uh, from TFW. He was at SDCC, and so he hooked me up with a bunch of things, but he was just waiting to get a good shipping quote because a lot of big stuff came out at SDCC. So uh, while I got my Metroplex from someone internally at TFCon, my SDCC Metroplex, I was still waiting on my Shockwave Lab. Um, mm-hmm. got that. I, honestly, it, while the figures are nothing that really great to talk about individually, just the way that the packaging is, it's just a nice little, I mean, for anyone who's seen it, it's a nice little thing. You have the little, you know, Predacon in the tube and you have a shockwave at the computer console. Really cool. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's $50 cool, but it's still cool. Um, trying to get, I like to get that stuff out of the way, the exclusives, cause they get kind of stupid later in terms of pricing. Um, what else did I get transformer related? Uh, I got a lot of little odds and ends, uh, of like parts and everything, because I always, I always go to, uh, to local, uh, toy stores here that I'm really good buddies with the owners and they always bring in, um, like, I mean, if I really talked about everything that I got this week, we'd be here, (laughs) we'd be here all day because I buy and sell a lot. Um, that's kind of also how I sustain my hobby is, uh, people sell their collections of toys. I buy them and then I bring them to shows and sell them. So, I mean, if, if I had to really go at it, oh, I bought a whole GI Joe collection of 50 figures today, vintage. I bought a Marvel toy biz nineties collection today for really cheap. And I'm going to, I'm already like piecing together everything, but in terms of transformer stuff, this and that, uh, was missing one missile, the short missile for my G1, uh, star scream. I'm again, I'm a completist. So I try to get every little piece and everything, uh, not much transformer stuff. It's been after TFCon, I pretty much got everything that I needed out of my system already. Um, again, it was just kind of that, that one, uh, shockwave lab that I was just waiting for me to get shipped to. Uh, I'm waiting actually on a DairyCon exclusive uh, to get to me. Um, DairyCon. DairyCon. Awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> usually there's stuff I don't really care about, but once in a while they do something that's clever and I go, okay. And I contact them. Could you hook me up with that one? So yeah. they're sending me their Spy Changer Minerva, which is kind of cool, We're using the uh, the Sideburn mold, which is like the, the uh, Spy Changer Viper. Um, mm-hmm. Non Transformer stuff. There's this and that. I picked up uh, SDCC Jason Voorhees because I love my video game stuff, and that was a <laughs> Nintendo homage. So that came in the mail from Panzer Jedi from Twitter. Um, what else? Not much. It's it's been a quiet week. It's been a quiet week essentially because you're you're probably on the TF. Well, that's just, well, it's not only that. Like uh, the past few conventions, I've been doing a lot less buying and a lot more uh, just selling because I know that. Um, come like Montreal Comic-Con coming up, I'm going to be doing a lot more. Uh, I'm going to focus more on picking up some video game stuff because on top of my big Transformer collection, I love video game paraphernalia and everything. Like stuff that's in the ma- like that's on its way, I have a mint in box complete power glove. I finally, after all these years, decided to drop the money on it. <laughs> so well, there you bad. go. It's, it's so bad. 
So after yeah. all the like all these years, I've I've always wanted to get one, but I've always been very stubborn about it. I was like, I want to get one mint in box with the instructions and everything, and mm -hmm. I never found one for the right price. And unfortunately, when a, a common epidemic when it comes to being a video game collector, a lot of guys who sell on eBay don't ship to Canada, so it's it's really hard to find. Um, to find that right dealer that's willing to make the effort. I mean, I have a friend who has a PO box in the States, but it's just, I don't want to like always have to rely on that. So finally pulled the trigger on stuff like that. And I know like in a couple of weeks from now at Montreal Comic-Con, which is, I guess I could mention it for any Canadians who are listening, uh, September 13th to the 15th. It's, it's pretty much fan expo, but in Toronto, but in Montreal, um, cool. Uh, that show, I, I get a feeling I'm going to be dropping a lot of money on video game stuff because they have a lot of video game guys there. And um, Bret Hart is going to be there, who's I'm a big wrestling fan. Uh, so, <laughs> so he's going to be there. So I, I'm already paid a, a huge sum of money because there's the get his autograph and then a what's called a um, they call it a personal photo, which is get to meet him, talk with him for a bit, and then you take a really nice photo instead of like you know, hey, he's sitting at a table and you lean in thing. So the celebrity headlock photo. Well, yeah, well, that's, I'm going to probably go for the devil horn thing that he does yeah. all those years. So probably going to do something. <laughs> like and what I'm actually going to get him to get signed is I met Owen Hart many years ago and I got his autograph. Wow. So I'm going to bring him that same sheet of paper that Owen signed and I want him to sign next to it. So that's going to be pretty surreal to do. I, I don't even yeah. know how he's going to react to that, but that's, it's the same. When I met Stan Lee, I did something similar. I like to do stuff where you kind of screw with them a little bit. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. if you can only meet them for five seconds, make it count, you know? Yeah. When I met Stan, I mean, he definitely remember when, when I met Stan Lee, um, what I wanted to get him to sign was, uh, I had all these old photos of Stan Lee during the sixties and the seventies wearing like a leisure suit and the slick back hair. So I took all those old photos and I made a nice collage of Stan when he was young and I got him to sign that. And that's actually nice. th that video of him signing it is actually on YouTube. And next to him is handing him the guy handing him the picture to sign because you have to hand it to a guy and then the guy hands it to him um, is Joe Caseta from Marvel. And so when mm -hmm. Joe first saw it, he was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. You know, and then he shows it to Stan and Stan loved it, too. Nice. And it was just, you know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's because so many guys, like, it was funny, like, who was standing in front of me? Guy wants Amazing Fantasies number 15 sign. Guy standing behind me, he wants, you know, Spider <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man number one sign. I, yeah. I wanted to bring something different. It's going to be the same thing with Brett. You know, people are going to just mm -hmm. want lithographs or the, the, the shade signed. I want something different, you know, something that's... Mm -hmm. That really hits home. You know, if you're going to meet uh, like some guy that you really respect and it's going to be like your literally your 15 seconds with him probably yeah. in your life, make it count. You know? Yeah. It's like when I went to uh, TFCon last year with Budiansky there, I uh, I brought his uh, his Uncanny X-Men number number 120, which he did the cover for. Mm. That was one and of his few, that was one of his few art jobs that he did. Because that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first appearance of Alpha Flight as well. Oh yeah, that's true. That is yeah. that's with uh, Vindicator and everything. Shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I handed it to him, and he's like, he's like, how did you get through uh, the security with this? <laughs> so yeah. So no, it was uh, it was kind of fun. He, uh, I don't think he was expecting to see any X Men at TFCon. Well, there you go, and that's why, and, that, and that's the memory that it will stick with him while everyone else yeah. was getting him to sign. I don't know Transformers, Transformer comics, one. or maybe uh, figures too. You'd be surprised what. Yeah. Yeah. I think I brought, I had uh, one of the original um, movie adaptations that he wrote. Yeah. So. Yeah, I. It was in pretty bad shape, but the original. The amount of Transformer number ones I saw last year was incredible. 
<laughs> yeah. He's an awesome guy, too. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. This has been one heck of a show. We're going to definitely have to do this again. Protoman, will you come back? Of course. I love talking awesome. about Transformers in case you haven't noticed. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, Thank you very much. No problem. Um, for anybody interested, uh, for anybody that still hasn't uh, hasn't found you on online anywhere, is there uh, any place that uh, you recommend they go to, to check you out? Oh, uh, well, there's my Twitter that I frequent quite a bit uh, at Protoman X, only because someone who's at Protoman took it before me and doesn't use it. Well, one, day I'll, one day I'll get him. <laughs> um, uh, so Protoman X is uh, how you'd find me there. Um, I'm on Cybertron.ca. I'm one of the, the mod and head posters there. Uh, TF, TFW2005, I'm on there too. I'm one of the head contributors for their their archives and everything, so if you want to contact me through that. Um, I also run GamersCanada.net, which is the premier gamer video game forum, which there's there's really only one, amazingly, and we are them, so I, I'm one of the co-creators of that, <laughs> so check that out if you guys have. It's, it's, it's still budding, but it's just because the video game community isn't solid in Canada yet, so we're trying to get something together. Um, aside from that... Mm, that's about it, really. Twitter's the best way to contact me, and I'm I always respond. I'm not one of those douchebags that kind of just uh, ignore you. I'm too I'm too cool for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're way too cool for me. Uh, I don't want to contact Proto yeah. Man. No, but <laughs> I'm all, I'm always open to discuss anything. I I love geekdom and I love everything, and I always like to have a good discussion about anything. So. Is it is it actually possible to limit you to 128 characters? <laughs> oh man, you know what? There's so many times. There's so many times <laughs> that it. That it Give me your phone number. <laughs> multiple post. You know what? Well, that's why so many people they want to talk to me, and I'm like, oh, just give me a Skype, please. Yeah. Yeah. Typing makes cool. me tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for anybody uh, listening that wants to get in touch with us, uh, we have got our website up. It is uh, www.transmissionspodcast.com, and that is being maintained by the awesome Jeremy. So, uh, yeah, take a look at that. All of our episodes are up there. Um, we also... All one of them. <laughs> all one of them. <laughs> It'll be two now. <laughs> two with this one. But Woo! by the time you're listening to this, there'll be two episodes there. First is <laughs> the worst, right. second right. is the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got Twitter going, uh, so... It's at transmissions. Note the missing A. There is a missing A there. Um, so transmissions was already taken, unfortunately. Um, Facebook. We are on Facebook as well. So just search transmissions podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can search it with an A, without an A. I don't think it matters. You'll find us regardless. Um, but you can email us uh, as well. Uh, feedback at transmissionspodcast.com. And uh, we will we'll answer you. It's it's no big deal. Uh, we really we really love doing this podcast. So if you want to ask us a question, those are all the ways you can get a hold of us. It's uh, it's really awesome. Uh, we thrive ask, on attention. <laughs> exactly. We need it. We need it so bad. We will definitely read any questions that come in. At least the first few. If we get deluged, we'll have to start editing. But in the beginning, we'll read everything. Oh, for sure, but uh, but yeah, definitely send us some questions. We'll we'll make an entire t 
topic in the show for questions. So yeah, send us some questions. We'll uh, we'll put you we'll put your questions on our uh, podcast, and uh, yeah, it'll be awesome. But uh, anyway, yeah, this was uh, this was awesome having Proto Man here. Thank you again. Yeah, no problem. Um, and uh, we're definitely going to have you on again because we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. I think of what you have to offer. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll get you on again for sure. Um, but thanks again, guys, Jeremy, uh, Charles, and Yoshi. We uh, we love having uh, this discussion. So, thanks again for listening. Uh, this has been Cybertronian Beast, and uh, you've been listening to Transmissions. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Hello.